Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer. There's a lot for us to talk about today. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. Vaughn, I can't think of another story like this Surrey policing one where every single time there's an announcement, we everybody thinks, oh, this is it. We're going to get a decision. And then once again, we're disappointed because it feels like that again. Yeah, although I see Solicitor General, Minister of Public Safety, Mike Farnworth, says that uh, what we're going to hear tomorrow is going to be a final decision. Uh, Now, of course, that decision isn't entirely within his hands, since the mayor of Surrey, is uh, Brenda Locke, is saying, well, if the province decides to block Surrey going back to the RCMP, that's not the end of it. That she'll fight. So, you know, is it the last act? But the thing I'm finding interesting is the way that the discussion over the last few days has opened us up to a new narrative. And that new narrative, what's next, is if the province turns down Surrey for the RCMP return as expected and does it because of the doubts that Premier David Eby has expressed about the future of the RCMP in this country, uh, does that immediately move us to a narrative about, well, what's BC's long-term plan? Are we going to have a provincial police force? It's been talked about for years. If If the RCMP is getting out of local policing, as federal government has hinted, well, we're going to need our own police force here in BC, and it's going to take a while to set that up. You can't do those things overnight either. Could this be the announcement then of some longer term plan? Whether it's the announcement or not, you know, this narrative has gotten out of provincial control. Uh, The Premier is the one who said last week in Winnipeg at the Premier's conference, David Eby said, Ottawa needs to tell us what the future of the RCMP is in this country because it doesn't look as if it's sustainable at the moment. So... Whatever they say tomorrow, Simi, there's going to be questions. Okay, you know, what's next? Is the province going to finally get going on the recommendation it got last year from an all-party committee of the legislature, which is that BC should be looking at doing what Ontario and Quebec have ever done, have already done, what BC has discussed in the past, We're going to have a provincial police force. Alberta's looking at it. Other provinces that don't have one are looking at it. And they're all doing it, Simi, because of the hints from Ottawa that ah, in the long run, they'd like the RCMP to turn into a national police force. But the federal government kind of regards these local and city forces as a bit of a nuisance, expensive, not really a long-term solution. And they'd like to get out of the business of providing contact and contract policing. So the Prime Minister even hinted about this yesterday. I saw an yeah. interview that he did with um, CTV Atlantic, where yeah. he did not say that he believed in local policing for the RCMP. 
Yeah, no, I mean, the impetus for this is that awful case in Nova Scotia, no question about yes. that. Yes. But, you know, the federal government has hinted at this before, and, and so has British Columbia. So you go back to when we signed, the province signed its last contract with the RCMP, so way back, you know, 10, 12 years, uh, before the deal was done, the province said, hey, you know, we want more control over... RCMP here in BC, and if we don't get it, we're going to look at a provincial police force. So the federal government went, yeah, okay, fine, sure. You know, <laughs> threaten something that yes. we care about, right? But anyway, they made a deal. And they made a deal on a 20-year contract, but in, in all the provinces are still in. That contract expires early in the next decade. But now, I was really struck by what Danielle Smith of Alberta said last week. Her, her, She's already talked about an Alberta provincial police force. The thing she said is Ottawa has got to tell the provinces where it's headed on this because you can't start a provincial police force overnight. And you've got to think about recruitment and staffing and all that. And you've got to have an agreement to phase out the RCMP and phase in your provincial force. So it's not premature to start talking about it now because uh, you're going to have to get going on it and Ottawa's got to tell the provinces where it's headed. Now, uh, that story in the Toronto Star that we talked about yesterday, uh, Simi, where uh, the Toronto Star said, well, it's the thinking in Ottawa is, yeah, uh, there's a time limit on the RCMP. It doesn't necessarily have a future providing local policing services. That story also said, and the federal government says it's already been talking to the provinces on this. Well, of course, reporters asked Mike Farmworth about that yesterday, and he mm -hmm. said, well... We've had a couple of meetings with them, but we don't consider those consultations. They're more kind of, here's what's on the radar screen and let's think about it. There, there needs to be a very serious and I think expedited discussion on this so that BC can get to thinking itself about its own provincial police force. Having said all that, given the doubts, I think that's one of the main reasons, Simi, why the expectation over here in Victoria is that the announcement tomorrow will be, no, we're not going back to the RCMP in Surrey because we don't believe, the provincial government, that the RCMP has a long-term future providing contract policing services anywhere in British Columbia except perhaps in remote northern and rural communities. There's a very important case that we want to continue the conversation about, and that has to do with these two children who were badly, badly abused. Uh, nobody checked in on them for months and months, and there are some updates on that. So, Vaughn, uh, what else have you learned about this? Well, the judge in the case has posted his reasons for sentencing. So these children were horribly abused. Uh, one died from that abuse. Um, the two foster parents in the case pleaded guilty. They've been sentenced to 10 years for manslaughter and six for aggravated assault. The judge's reasons have been posted. They're on the provincial court site. They run about 20 pages. I, I hesitate to re recommend them to anybody, but I think it's important that we digest how awful this case was. Mm -hmm. And it, it, the thing that's really stands out in the judge's judgment is he, Judge Peter La Prairie, provincial court judge, was shaken himself. He, he, he watched. There, 
incredibly, Simi, there are 400 hours of videos of the treatment of these children uh, in their home. And he watched a bunch of those, and he says, you know, that what happened is incomprehensible. And when you see it, as I said, he's shaken. But he says a couple of other things, too, in this case, Simi. And one of the things that he says, there's a, there's a phrase in the judgment, no one did anything. He says that five times in the judgment. Like, you get a sense of a whole system that failed these children. So uh, the foster parents are, are guilty of just unspeakable crimes, and they've been sentenced. But he also, the judge also says, Ministry of Children and Family Development, they, they assigned these children, Indigenous, uh, took them away from their birth parents, Indigenous, and gave them to the foster parents, Indigenous. And he says that the ministry never, then never really checked up on the children. Seven months of abuse, ministry never checked in. Here's something else. The children were pulled out of school by the foster parents. Education system never, never asked where the little boy was, why he wasn't in school. He was taken out of school. And for months, nobody asked where he was. Uh, the judge says the little boy had chronic health problems. He needed to take medication every day. He needed to see doctors. For months, he never saw a doctor. Healthcare system never noticed, never asked where he was. And the community itself, now the judge is understanding about this. There is plenty in there about the, the toll that things like residential schools and colonialism and chronic abusive substances and all that, that toll it took on the indigenous community. But having said that, the judge says that the foster mother's brother lived with these children never reported what was going on. The children were abused publicly, out of doors. Nobody seems to have noticed. So when you see that nobody did anything, Simi, it just haunts you. And you do ask, the judge doesn't say, he's a judge, right? How we should proceed, except he does say. All these issues need to be addressed. So are we going to get the kind of full-blown inquiry with testimony and looking at all these issues going forward? I don't know. I certainly would say that the internal review by under Mitzi Dean, the Minister of Children and Family Development, is not good enough. Now, we expect that the independent child and youth representative... Jennifer Charlesworth will look into this case and will report out, and she has a good reputation for, mm -hmm. you know, saying, saying what actually happened. But I do go, there needs to be more here. This, Simi... That's a, it's a societal a failure. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, it's a complete yeah. failure. Yeah, Simi, there can't be a worse case in the history of that ministry. And there have been some awful cases over the years. But these children were taken away from their birth parents by the state, by the Ministry of Children and Family Development, using government authority. They followed the guideline to give the children to an Indigenous family. And the woman, foster mother, was a cousin of the birth mother, so it made sense. But... You know, I, I just say, you read this thing over, you know. The, the judge says that the little boy, when he was uh, died of a blunt in injury to his head, uh, looked like a child of the Holocaust, for God's sake. Uh, the other details, I, I would hesitate to repeat them on a radio audience just because they're the kind of thing that you'd want to send uh, younger members of your family out of the room before they hear what was done here. 
But it really is, uh, this case needs more attention going forward. I think that's what the judge said. And that phrase, no one did anything, has got to haunt everyone, everyone in British Columbia. Uh, I agree. I agree. You're right. There's definitely more to talk about with this horrible case. Vaughn, thank you for updating us on it. Bye-bye.